Are you ready to start showing up as the best version of you? Ditching those diets, embracing and enjoying training and learning that you are enough. Join me, Vicky Marks, or more commonly known as Vicky PT, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and female transformation specialist on a podcast journey of inspiration, motivation, usable tips, and support to fire you forward into becoming that best version of you, plus some special guests along the way. You're listening to Strong, Confident, Transform. Let's get started. Hello, hello, welcome to this amazing episode. I'm super excited that I have my first guest on my podcast. Matt Marnie, you are my first guest. Say hello to everybody. Vicky Marks, if they can't see me, but I'm actually dancing. I didn't know I was your first guest. Vicky you are Marks, my first. Absolute pleasure to be on your podcast, to be back with you. Feel like I'm back with my fitness friend having a natter about stuff that's going to help people because that's what we're about, Vicky. We're about helping people. Definitely. And do you know what? Like, my husband's listened to our podcast and he said, an hour just flew by. He was like, I loved it. He said, I loved it so much. And he was like, the bit he loved the most, which I know you're going to happy dance again about, um, he said, the bit I love the most is... I genuinely believed I was listening to two people in the fitness industry that literally adore helping people from a place of integrity. He was like, your your passion, the both of you just shined through in the podcast. And he was like, it wasn't, you know, like dilly-dallying around with certain fads and stuff that were in it was like real talk about the fitness industry. He loved it. Loved it. Nice one. Nice one. And I take it that I'm going to be, that I'm your first, but I'm definitely not going to be your last guest now. Because I suspect I'm now you'll be very like, picky, yeah. Matt. I'm very picky oh. about who comes on my podcast, you know? I feel privileged. I feel, <laughs> I privileged. feel privileged you're here. I love it. <laughs> I don't think this will be the last that me and you do. No, 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 no. You, know, you never know, Vicky. I was thinking earlier, we could even do an Insta. Let's do an Insta live. I don't know, is that what the youngsters do? We'll do an Insta, Vicky. We'll do an Insta. I love we'll an send Insta out a live. link. Yeah. Love oh, an Insta know. live. Could be a Facebook live. Who, who knows where this finishes? Where's this going to go? It's just the journey, Vicky Marks. Hell it's not yeah. the destination, is it? It's just <laughs> the journey. I love it. Ah. I love it. So, Matt, I want you to just... Tell everyone a bit about you and your history in the fitness industry, where you started. Like, just tell yeah. us, tell us some right. good stuff. Um, uh, over two decades in the fitness industry, I came into the industry when I was three years old, just so people are trying to work my age out. Um, <laughs> 20, 20 years in the industry. Uh, I've done most things. I've managed gyms, run studios. Um, I spent 12 years in an orthopedic clinic, so I did all the post-rehab stuff. Uh, what else do I do? Stroke rehab, uh, exercise referral schemes, kid weight management schemes, functional restoration programs. I teach a bit of Pilates. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a meditation teacher. I do the teacher training stuff. I do a bit of podcasting and I've got my own wellness company as well. So yes. I go to organisations. That's me in a nutshell. And uh, I love coffee love and love tea. And uh, my favourite food is Indian takeaway. There you go. 
Oh, I love an Indian. It's my favourite. Yeah, if I had to pick it, it would be Indian. Yeah, me That's too. Okay. And you love coffee too. See, we're getting more and more in common. I know. I know that Insta Live could just be about coffee and curry. I'm so. well up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Two fitness professionals talking about coffee and curry. Let's go. I like it. Yeah, I, I like it hot as well. Like, it, I, it's almost an experience for me. I'm a Madras stroke uh even vindaloo i i had straws now so it's kind of like, i like to have it's like an experience it's quite cathartic i like to have finished a curry and then mop the brow oh my goodness <sighs> yeah, it might I'm help not... me at the moment with this rotten cold that i've got so yeah i was mm. going to say that at the beginning and say i really apologize to everyone for my hoarse voice but just real stuff isn't it Course it, is. Course it is. um so just talk to me a little bit more about the stuff you're doing at the moment and what yep. what you're passionate about at the moment because you're doing lots of Pilates, aren't you? And we're going to talk yeah. about meditation a lot today, but we're going to come yeah. to that. So yeah. um, talk to me about your passions at the moment and what you're doing. Do you know what? Uh, Passion-wise, I mean, if I'm honest, it's kind of... I'm, I'm, I'm still doing some personal training stuff. Um, if I'm honest, it's, it's at the moment, it's taking this stuff into organisations, so pitching it at scale which yeah. is where I'm at now. So uh, exercise education workshops in corporates, meditation, stress workshops. Um, so that, that's where I'm at. And I suppose at the moment, my, my passion is, yeah, it's, it's, I suppose it's the meditation at the moment. I still love movement. I value my movement. I value Pilates. I love Pilates. I love strength training, nutrition. But I suppose my passion at the moment is um, helping individuals manage stress, yeah. And meditation is a tool that I'm using as part of that. And as I say, at the moment, it's going into corporates and, you know, delivering it to groups of people, I suppose. Isn't it? I Still love. do a bit of teaching. Training. Yeah, that's me. So, um, talking about meditation then, because you've probably learned already that my brain is like, there's, there's a bunch of chimps in there having a really good time. Have you read and, The Chimp um, Paradox? Have you read The Chimp Paradox? I've dived in and out of The Chimp Paradox. And yeah. It's a great book. And yep. do you know what? I'm going to be absolutely honest. Over the last 20 years, like, you know, I'm a Czech professional. I've done so much Czech stuff. So, like, meditating on the beach, if he could have had us all naked, he would have as well, you know? Like, I've done this stuff. Like, I've had a a cheese stick. Uh, I've tried so much stuff over the years. Maybe I haven't tried hard enough. I'm hoping Matt Marnie might be able to help me with this. So yeah. like yes. meditation doesn't come easy to me. Like I find it so difficult to meditate. Yeah. And I, I suppose I just probably haven't found my bit, but mm. what led you into meditation is yeah. my first question. Like what kind of got you into doing that yourself in the first place and yeah. um let's start with that question yeah yeah of course i mean my journey into meditation was a pretty familiar similar route to a lot of people so now i'm teaching it you find the same thing so it was about god it was probably 14 years ago i was managing the gym i was working in the industry i was managing this gym part of the studio in the clinic and I, the only way to put it i had challenges with my mental health so yeah. i had i was having panic attacks anxiety insomnia depression that mixture that a lot of people are familiar with yeah. i was in the middle of that and old kid you know vicky it went on for about probably a good few years i had these battles these yeah. episodes 
And a good friend of mine who was a yoga teacher kept banging on about meditation. I was aware of it. An ex-girlfriend of mine was a Buddhist and I'd always been kind of interested in it. And uh, eventually I just got fed up with feeling the way I did. So I thought, oh, sod this. I'll give this meditation lock a go. So I got an app and I sat down on my chair and I, and I started to meditate and I just followed the guided stuff. And in a few weeks, stuff started to shift and I started to feel a bit better. So guess what I did then, Vicky? Did more of it. No, I stopped. As you do, I just stopped meditating. Yeah. Like everyone, I'm going to do a bit of keto. I'm going to do HIIT training. I feel better now. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I've lost a bit of weight. So that's what I did. I stopped meditating. I thought, I feel all right now. What are they on about? I stopped. And then, it, and then those familiar feelings came back. So in the end, I thought, oh, stop this. I better keep doing it. So that's yeah. what I did. I carried on meditating. And it just became, it's like anything. I think it was, you know, established a habit. And the reason I, I, I started meditating was because, you know, um, well, actually, a good friend of mine said to me just after I'd stopped, and I, and I think I rang him again, and my head had gone again, oh, mate, I'm not feeling good. And he was like, Matt, fix the roof while the sun's shining. And he I said love that, to that. Me, and it was like, oh, no, oh, that is a cool, that is such a cool thing. Fix the roof while the sun's shining. Yeah, I love it. Now, now, a lot of people will wait, they'll wait until. The stinking thinking and the physiology is going a bit nuts and they're already in that spot. And it's quite difficult to do anything, really. Rational thoughts disappear. Yeah. Some people, you know, when you're in those, those, those certain of the states I was in, I find it difficult to leave the house, let alone, you know, meditate. Yeah. But and I got back on my chair, continued meditating and things improved and I just carried on doing it. I thought, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So I carried on meditating. And yes, these, the, those symptoms, the, the stuff I spoke about, they seem to disappear. And, and I just carried on meditating and I started to mix with like-minded people. I was teaching Pilates in the yoga studio and I talked to the girls about their practice. I went on a couple of retreats. And then I started to notice other things, stuff happening in my life that I hadn't expected. And it was kind of like my performance in the gym improved. My yeah body composition changed there was stuff going on I was making better decisions around nutrition I my memory started to improve the my reactions to life uh changed that they, we talk about in meditation about the pause between the stimulus and the response yeah um, anyway so I started to recognize all this stuff so I was thinking right I'll tell you what it's, as we do as PTs something's working you can and I want to share it I'll tell all my clients about it so there I was Vicky I was on the gym floor going tell you what you want to do they go what's that Matt I go, you want to meditate? They go, oh, why? Uh, because it makes you feel brilliant. Okay, what do you have to do? They, they didn't quite, I haven't got time, Matt, can't clear my mind, all this sort of stuff. So they got bored of me in the end. And I thought, do you know what? Actually, I can't tell them why. I don't know enough. Yeah. So that's when I embarked on the teacher training. So that, that's it. pretty much my journey. My, my journey was I struggled. I had these challenges with my mental health. Meditation yeah. worked. I wanted to share it with people. I couldn't quite articulate what was going on. So I did my teacher training and then I just started reading books and going on retreats and talking to other people. And then I find myself doing what I do today. Hopefully I'm not your stereotypical meditation teacher. I quite often get told that cheeky Chappie from South London, who you know, likes, likes MMA and boxing and likes meat, not, not a vegan. I don't wear pajamas, but I teach meditation. <laughs> Cause there are, there are, and this is what puts people off. There are some preconceived ideas around meditation and around the type of person who Definitely. meditates. And I think that people need to realize that. And I think, and I think social media helps that, you know, again, we, we spoke about this last time, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, in a nutshell, that's me. I love meditation, changed my life, like to share it with people.
There you go. I love that. So how do you share it with people? Mm. So I, I either, if you're my wife, I just bore you until you give <laughs> up. And <laughs> I'm not even joking. When we locked down, right, I'll tell you about me and my wife. When we locked down, because in Dubai, when it locked down, it went, I've been meditating for years when I met my wife, but she weren't interested. Yeah. We locked down hard in Dubai. So it overnight, was pretty we tough, were, wasn't it? For a period of time, yeah, we weren't allowed to leave our house like in the UK. We had, you had to get a pass to go to the shops. You weren't allowed to exercise outside. It was nothing. So it got kind of tough. My wife's a, a teacher, so she was online teaching. Yeah. Anyway, I think she got fed up with watching me. Like my work stopped overnight. Everything just stopped. Nothing. But I just disappeared into the bedroom and I just started meditating like a nutter and I come floating out. I was cooking. Anyway, I think she got fed up with it. So there's that. There's the example. So I was just the example. So some people just the example. One-to-one with people, so I do one-to-one stuff. I should put more stuff out on social media. I know I should. I do the podcast. But really, at the moment, I'm teaching it either in corporates or I, I run four-week introduction to meditation courses where Love that. Uh, I, you know, I talk about a bit of neuroscience, talk to people about how it's going to show up in their life yeah. uh, practically. Um, but that's, that's my main vehicle for sharing this stuff is podcasts and, 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 and one-to-ones or group stuff. And, you know, like, it just got me thinking about something because there's so many people out there on social media, isn't there, that's like, I've done this course and this is why I'm so awesome at meditation. And I'm a vegan and I wear pyjamas, like I said earlier. And I do all this stuff. I'm barefoot in the grass all the time and blah, blah, blah. Um, But going back to what we spoke about last time about experience, like... I'm so drawn towards like meditation. I think before I spoke to you, meditation was probably like at the back of my brain. I was like, I yeah. don't need to meditate. I don't need to do that. But listening to what you said, like your experience, like in how you got into meditation and all of this stuff, like that really like draws me in because I'm like, I want to, go on a journey where someone's been on that journey like they didn't think about meditation it wasn't an option for them and then they had something happen in their life and they were like oh someone's told me to do this so I'm gonna give it a go and then you went on all your little journeys and you experienced from other people and you did all that stuff and I think it just takes me back to when we were speaking about experience like find someone to help you with whatever you need help with because they've done it a long time, they've experienced it, they've done the stuff, they've got the t-shirt, they've done this stuff. So it really draws me in because I'm like, if Matt Marnie can do it, so can I. <laughs> well, it, what you're saying there, there, there's some truth and there's not to say there's some really good meditation teachers and there's different styles. And I think I've found my kind of niche. I'm, uh, I kind of dispense of the fluff, but there, there are a lot of, I want to sound diplomatic here, there's a lot of people teaching on retreats. There's a lot of psychologists who, and I know this from friends of mine who do work for teacher training schools, where adding meditation as a skill set to your psychotherapy is useful, but, or teaching on retreats, it's a part, oh, I'll, I'll add meditation, I'll go and do a course. Yeah. But there's no authenticity. So yeah, yes. people who, who do it. So when I stand in front of a group of people, I can share my experience and I can tell them exactly what I do. Yeah. Not like make fluffy suggestions like, look, this is what I do. And 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 these are the experiences I had. So, yeah, I think it's um, yeah. I mean, if you're drawn towards um, the stereotypical meditation environment, 
then you're already on that path. But I find that my, my job, my, my role in this area is to tap into people in the fitness industry, you know, meatheads, guys. I mean, a lot of guys, this, this works for me in the Pilates world. A lot of men, will their wives will bring them to the class because I'm standing at the front. And yeah. I've also got fairly tight hamstrings and I've also got hips that play me up like most men. So yeah. in a way, I think, yeah, it kind of helps. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think like being a, I, I suppose, yeah, I think you're, you're amazing for teaching men that it's okay to struggle with their mental health and to find a way to be able to deal with it because it is very fluffy out on social media isn't it and it's very much women in a two-piece in the trees on the beach doing all this um stuff and I can see a lot of men looking at that and thinking like that's not for me like that's not what I'm gonna do so I think it's amazing that you do that um now Give us some top tips for meditation. Give us some tips because yeah, I have. I mean, I've tried so much in the past and I th- maybe I haven't tried hard enough, to be fair. Um, well, that, that, that's the question I was going to ask you, actually, is like meditation has been so it's been on your radar. It's not yeah. something you've, you've been exposed to Paul Check. What, yeah. what have been the, uh, the barriers for you? Um, what stopped you from finding a regular practice? Because you're not someone who struggles with establishing new habits. Absolutely not. I think personally, I just haven't found the right, um, the right way. I think I, with all the Paul Check stuff, he bombards a lot of stuff at you all at once. Mm. And, and it's like, go away and you practice it for 269 days. (laughs) And you're like, right. Okay. And, um, it was a long time ago as well. I'm a different person now. So I think I need to attack it from a different place. Um, but he there was sound healing there was right yoga with a lady chanting and banging big gongs at the front there was um let's all take our shoes off actually let's all take our clothes off we're all like no we're not taking our clothes off and walk down the beach and take in nature and and smell everything and and I think maybe I was just approached in lots of different ways and there's a lot of conflicting information out there like the fitness industry, right? There's a lot of conflicting information. Download Calm, download this app, sit in a room in darkness, uh, take this amount of time, get up at five in the morning, do this. Do So I think maybe there's just a lot of conflicting information. Yeah, And, And then you're like, okay, so who do you go to to find out the best about this and how to do this? And I'm a, my brain is definitely, um, a sponge and it likes to learn so when you said earlier about a course like that's right up my street if I can learn mm. what I'm doing it for the the stuff behind it and all, then I'm more likely to go yes let's do it yeah the why you just said there, the why is so powerful so let's just backtrack slightly to what you said about Paul Check experience now Paul Check as we we talked to the last podcast he's out there he's experienced there's layers to he didn't just suddenly go from, uh, you know, squatting on a Swiss ball to, you know, walking naked down a beach. There were layers to this spiritual journey. And that's what 100%. it is, the journey of discovery. So the first thing to say is there are different styles of meditation. This is the yeah. one thing. So quite often people lump the term mindfulness as the umbrella, as yeah. everything's mindfulness. No, there, there are different types of, of meditation. So you've got concentration-based 
Yeah. Mindfulness, loving kindness, compassion-based, uh, mantra-based. And this is where people get confused. There's lots of different styles. Yeah. Now, for the, uh, just for this podcast, because it's such a, a short period of time, let's just take mindfulness yeah. and concentration-based as two, two areas that you might want to delve in early on in your meditation journey. Yeah. Now, the biggest mistake people make is they'll get their app, like everyone's got the Calm app or Insight Time or something on their phone. You'll bang a meditation on, you'll sit there and you'll listen. Now, if you're listening to a mindfulness, if you're doing a mindfulness practice, yeah. you are being present in the current moment, which means you are aware to things that are going on. That could be sounds coming and going. Yeah. It could be uh, thoughts. It could be feelings. So the ebbs and flow of life. Now, the biggest problem people face is we have a concentration and focus crisis. Concentration and focus and attention crisis going on. Now, this is a, this is a modern thing. iPhones, you know, watch or listen, listen to or read Stolen Focus, Johan Hari, that's a book suggestion. But people really struggle with focus and concentration. Yeah. And mindfulness, there's too much going on. It's like a series of anchors. So where people need to start, yeah. A bit here, but we need to start. We need to start with concentration-based practice. Right. right. So that is an anchor. So the anchor can be the the touch of the breath in the nostrils, the yeah. movement of your rib cage, the rise and fall of the belly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a sensation. Your shoulder girdle as it moves up and down. Concentration. One anchor that you bring your awareness to, and you have to train yourself because. Here's the thing. If you can't anchor your mind, focus your mind on an anchor yeah. that's holding you, holding your mind there, you've got no chance yeah. with mindfulness. And what happens is people start to meditate. They sit down and guess what? Their mind wanders. Yeah. They start thinking about what? I'm going to dispel the first myth here, the first meditation myth. People often say to me, they'll say, Matt, I can't meditate. And I go, why is that? They go, I can't clear my mind. And I'll go, your mind's not designed to be clear. You, no. cannot, you cannot clear your mind. So that's the first thing people need to be aware of because they beat themselves up. They try and clear their mind. The mind's not, not meant to be clear. And the other thing is, they, I can't relax. I'm not relaxed when I do it. When you meditate, it's not about relaxation. People often get this confused. They think it should be relaxing. It should be candles. It should be, no. Relaxation is a byproduct, potentially. Yeah. of a practice but it's not the focus when you meditate all right so yeah. if you think about it i mean we can we can take you through a short practice but let's say for example you sit down you close your eyes and the person doing the guided meditation says right vicky i want you to just pay attention to the touch of the breath in the nostrils right and you bring your awareness there within seconds vicky your mind is off within seconds you're going to be thinking about work you're going to be thinking about family something yeah right? Then you catch your mind wandering. So you go, oh, there he is. I'm supposed to be listening, supposed to be focused on it. You catch your mind, you bring it back. That's it. Yeah. People, people beat themselves up when their mind wanders. When your mind wanders, you catch it, you acknowledge it, and you go, oh, there you are, you cheeky bugger. Thinking about <laughs> work again. You bring it back to the sensation in the nostrils. Yeah. Every time you do that, think of it like a repetition in the gym. Yeah. Strengthening that muscle, that, that focus muscle. You catch it, you bring it back. You catch it, you bring it back. I love that. What happens is, what happens is, is that you train that muscle, 
and you're able to stay anchored and focused on something pretty mundane, yeah. the breath in their nostrils, for longer periods. Yeah. Now, I share this with people often. People come to meditation classes, courses, or doing that with all these preconceived ideas about what they're going to achieve. I'm going to feel a sense of calm. I'm going to feel this. It's like, no. Forget all that. And I say this on courses I teach. So I say, look, if you just focused on concentration-based meditation, and that's all you ever did, yeah. and as a result, your focus and attention improved, and I'm going to throw this question your way. So yeah. if you started meditating and your focus and attention improved, how would that show up in your life, Vicky? Oh, in every, every day Tell life. Everything. Tell me. Everything that I do, you know, like I can't, even when I, when I go and watch my kids play football or I watch them swim or whatever, my brain is like all the time and I'm like I'm watching them but I'm also thinking about this and I could do this at the same time I'm gonna write that note down because I'll forget that if I don't write it down like my brain is like that all the time with whatever I do so even when I'm it would improve my training for sure because even when I'm training I'm like yeah I'm just gonna hit that 80 kilo squat but while I do that I could think about what I've got to do when I get home you know like there's there's so many ways that it can improve and I always think, and I'm not nuts, everyone, by the way, and Matt, you won't think I'm nuts when I say this, but I'm sometimes like, oh, I just like a little bit of room in my brain to sometimes just not do that. And that would be quite a lot of freedom to me. And I love the word freedom. You probably hear me talk about it a lot. And like freedom from, you know, helping women get freedom from crash dieting and freedom from that horrible place where you exercise because you want to change your body like getting freedom to to just take care of yourself is a big thing um but it's got me thinking well freedom from that cluttered thought process would be good too yeah now what happens is so what you've just said there is a common thing i hear so a lot of people say i'll go to them right especially in corporates yeah how how would they go oh my god i've been more productive at work but that's a big tick. Productivity at work go up. And here, there's a big problem going on. So people are talking about work-life balance a lot. Yeah. So they're saying, I'm having to take work home. COVID came along, blurred lines. Where does work begin and work end and home begin yeah. and this kind of stuff? People cannot concentrate. So here's a statistic for you. Our concentration in the last five years has decreased by 30%. It's that's gone from big 12, It wasn't good in the first place. It's gone from 12 seconds to eight seconds. Right? So we weren't, we weren't very good anyway. So we, we, our concentration levels are dropping. Here's another stat for you. Um, 70% of office workers will, will open a new email within six seconds. All right? So it's called switch cost. People don't realize this thing. So whenever you are interrupted, this is kind of the work I do in corporates at the moment. It's giving organization strategies around this stuff. Let's say I'm doing work while I'm on my computer and I'm doing, I'm involved in a bit of work and bosses ask for it. And you come along and go, oh, Matt, how you doing? I go, yeah, 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 good, yeah. You interrupt me. You wander off. The switch cost, the statistics say, it takes me 25 minutes to get back to that level of focus and concentration that I was at. So we've got this, this crisis going on. So yeah. people say, right, I'm not getting work done at work. So therefore they're taking work home or they're thinking about work when they get yeah. home. One of the biggest problems I hear from lawyers in particular, I hear this from lawyers a lot, they love their job, they work yeah. a lot of hours. The biggest stress for lawyers is not being present at home for their friends and family. 
Yeah. So this stresses people out. So we've got this thing. So if they can improve their focus and concentration, forget all the other fluffy stuff, just improve their focus and concentration, their stress levels would drop as a result. Yeah. They would feel less stressed anyway. Um, And when it comes to stress, here's the other thing to think about. I mean, mean, your listeners probably know about this, but perceived and actual threats the same. So if you have a negative thought... Yeah, it creates the same physiological response as if you saw a tiger. It's yeah. the same response. Okay, so you get adrenaline and cortisol produced, which is inflammatory. Heart yeah. rate goes up. So there's two other things that we face. We've got this focus and attention crisis. We've also got, as a species, Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens sapiens. I'll let the second sapiens on. As a species, we we have a negativity bias. Yeah, it's inbuilt. From an evolutionary standpoint, it served us. So we didn't eat the mushroom. After what stuff friend ate that mushroom, we didn't repeat it. You know what well, I mean? It's, it's depending what us. that yeah. mushroom does, right? Exactly. Yeah. If it dies, <laughs> don't eat it again, right? Or I'll give you an example. Say I've gone out, hunter gatherers, right? It's going to be gender specific here, but I've gone out to hunt and I've come back to the camp and you're there and you're gathering berries and, you know, doing what you do. And I come back and I go, listen, everyone, they go, oh, what's wrong, Matt? I go, don't go over there. And they'll go, what, why? What's wrong? I go, there was a massive bear. They go, oh, I guess all right. I've run away from it. And they go, oh, you shouldn't have run away from a bear, Matt. You shouldn't. I say, I know, I know, but I got away. I got back to camp. Everyone's listening. Everyone's paying attention to negativity yeah. for a reason, right? But the problem we have in the modern world is that we don't have any predators. We've kind of banged them all up and put them in zoos. So all that, all that, but we're drawn to negative information. Think about what's going on now. 24-hour news cycles. Yeah. Phones. Um, COVID, you know, we've had this massive. So every time we think of negative stuff or exposed to negative information, we have the same physiological response that we do if we saw the tiger. Yeah. The difference being when we see something in the real world that we go into sympathetic state, fight or flight. Yeah. The cortisol and adrenaline is present. We metabolize it because we get on our toes and we run or we have a tear up with the rival tribe. But yeah. we just sit in front of our computers now and we have these continuous thoughts that create feelings. Yeah. These feelings create adrenaline and cortisol. So we're in this, this inflammatory pool. So it's not good from a, from a cardiovascular standpoint. No. So we've got that. We've got the concentration. And we've got one other thing. We've got chronesthesia. There's a word for you, Vicky. Chronesthesia. I know. I know. <laughs> so put that simply, chronesthesia means mental time travel. This is another thing that we have as a species. So we have the yeah. ability to reflect on stuff that's happened and plan for the future. Again, yeah. served us from an evolutionary standpoint, doesn't serve us very well in the modern world. Because all we do is we ruminate on the past or we project negatively about the future. Yeah. So we sit, this is worrying, okay? So you're exposed to stress all day. You're not metabolizing all these cortisol, that cortisol and adrenaline. You get home. You're supposed to be chilling out with your family. You're not watching, no, Stranger Things is probably a bit scary. You're getting adrenaline rush. But you're watching something nice with your family, but you're not present. Yeah. You spend the whole evening sitting there worrying about that spreadsheet that you haven't got done yet, fight yeah. or flight, that's going to then lead to your boss having a go at you, fight or flight, which leads to you losing your job, which leads to you losing your house, which leads to you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So our thoughts make us sick. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Catastrophizing into the future. Yes. And yes. just going back to <clears throat> what you said about 
just the news being on repeat and all this stuff. Like, I've banned the news in my house. Like, it's not allowed to be on. It's not allowed yeah, to go yeah. in the car. Like, when we drive the car, the news doesn't come on. And a lot of people might listen to this and think, well, you need to know what's going on in the world. And I'm like, if I need to know what's going on in the world, I'll actively search for what I need to search. I'll check on things that I need to check. Um, and at school, and I'm like this close, this close, but I don't want to be that mad mum, you know? But at school at the moment, they play news round to the kids every morning. And news round is reasonably more positive than the news that we watch every day. But yeah. I've got an issue with it. I'm like, these are kids. These are tiny people. Like, they don't need this negative stuff projected at them every single morning before they get on with their day. Um, so I, I keep saying to my husband, I'm going to have to go in and speak to the teacher about Newsround. And he's like, oh, God, please don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... I'm not sure I want this to be the first thing they listen to. Yeah. It, you know? You just made, yeah. It's a, I mean, our use of tech <laughs> and our exposure to this stuff, it, it's a massive issue. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people say to me, so they, they kind of get what's going on. Their thinking creates these feelings. And then they say, well, how can meditation help? So obviously we, we, we spoke about you can concentrate better, you get more stuff done. But go back to what I said before about catching your mind wandering and bringing it back. Yeah, I'm wondering to bring it back. So the technical term for that is called meta awareness. Yeah. So recognizing thoughts as thoughts. So when you sit there every day and you practice catching your mind and bringing it back, you strengthen your ability to focus, but you also start recognizing thoughts as thoughts. Yeah. So here's the thing: you get home, you're developing that skill. So you sit down, and most people, until they start meditating, have no relationship with their mind. They have no idea that they're lost in these negative thoughts. It's yeah. just the way they, 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 they process stuff. So you start to sit down in the evening and then you're watching this TV series with your family. You're supposed to be switched off from work and then it starts. But you start to catch those thoughts yeah. before or, or behave and you, and you start to bring yourself back. You can start to be more present in the, in the current moment. And that's all just, there was nothing about, you know, chanting or yeah. sound healing. That was just having the ability to concentrate, but also have some kind of relationship with your mind. And that is what meditation is. Yeah, At I the beginning, that. establishing a relationship with your mind. Because until you sit down and you ask your mind to anchor on something pretty mundane, like the breath in the nostrils or movement of the belly, whatever it is, you don't really know how... Like an, it's like a child, your mind, and hopefully you're going to develop it into an adolescent and then an adult mind that, that you just don't get lost in thoughts. The other thing to consider as well, here's the thing that people don't realize about chronic stress is structural changes in your brain. Yeah. So people don't realize this, they live in stress. So what happens when you get stressed is your amygdala, which is part of your limbic system, the reptilian brain becomes more heightened. Amygdala is looking out for danger. So yeah. when you're, you know, he's, he's looking out for aggro, amygdala. He wants to kick off. He's like, oi, he's, he's a bit leery, amygdala, right? <laughs> but he's always looking for, if he was in Essex with you, like he'd be out on Friday night. The amygdala <laughs> would be wanting to have it with everyone, right? He's got the amygdala. Then you've got the hippocampus, which is another part of your brain. A hippocampus is responsible for memory, cognition, 
emotional balance. And its other job, the, the hippocampus, is almost like the big brother to the amygdala. So when the amygdala gets a bit, oi, on a Friday night, the hippocampus goes, behave, we've all had a drink, <laughs> calm down, all right? But what happens when we live in chronic stress is they've shown these in, in MRI scanners is that the amygdala becomes more heightened and the hippocampus shrinks. You become more reactive to life yeah. the longer you live in stress. Yeah. Here's the last one. I'll leave you with this one. This blows people's minds when they hear this. Is There's a, a good guy called Joe Dispenza. I think, if we, did we talk about Joe Dispenza on the last podcast? we did. Joe Dispenza. I smashed all his stuff during lockdown and all that. So anyway, Joe Dispenza talks, I mean, he talks about a lot of stuff. One of the things he mentioned, which rocked my mind, was that thoughts create feelings. Yeah. Feelings create thoughts. So you have a negative thought, adrenal glands produce cortisol and adrenaline. And then what happens is when you live in a chronic state of stress, is that your cells, your physiology, become yeah. accustomed to those chemicals. So the cells in your body are like, this is where we live normally. Yeah. So even when you make attempts to be less reactive or not as reactive, your physiology starts demanding the reaction. So your right. physiology starts dictating your neurology. So we all know people who are half glass empty as opposed to half glass full. Yeah. And as we get older, we get neurodegeneration. Like, you know, just I would say to people, if you know people who are just a bit bit negative, sometimes it's not their fault. It's they're just actually they've learned, right? Their body, their, their physiology demands those chemicals. How's yeah. it demand it? Those reactions. Yeah. That lens on the world. So there's so I've just hit you with a load of rubbish science there, but but it's just it's worth bearing in mind when people say, well, what's the point in in finding calm and meditating? It's like, well, there's there's lots of stuff you're up against. And it kind of like, it really does tie in though, doesn't it? To like when, you know, when I'm teaching my women new, new ways of eating or, you know, and for years, and for some women, it's like 30 years, they have counted their calories, counted the sins, like an avocado is a sin. I couldn't possibly do that. Like, and this stuff almost builds these neural pathways where they're like, we get on the scales, we eat junk food, we we do this and we do that. Like, it's the same sort of stuff. So it all takes, I mean, I always, I always think like the brain is so clever. So repetition of doing something else means you're going to get really good at something else. So yeah. what I've loved about what you've said today, I'm quite happy that you've dispelled the kind of fluffy stuff because I think that's what's always almost put me off as well is like, the fluffy way about it um like I love the way you've put it and that you know if you just practice and practice practice that one thing practice that you know the breath all of that stuff concentration like you're going to get better at it and then it's going to get a little bit easier and that really resonates with me because you know like you lift a two kilo weight if you keep doing that you're going to be able to lift a four if you keep doing that you're going to be able to do the six you keep doing that it's going to get up to an eight and da, da 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 So I like I like the way you've put it. I love what you just said there as well about choices, so lifestyle choices. It's all dictated yeah. by our, our nervous system, our brain. We make decisions based on previous patterns, pre- previous habits. So there, there's other stuff. The structural changes go on your brain. You've got the amygdala and the hippocampus, prefrontal cortex, where you make rational rational decisions yeah. take place in the prefrontal cortex. There's a limited amount of space in that area. When you meditate regularly. You get increases in the left prefrontal cortex. So you actually have more 
bandwidth, you have more battery to make better decisions around, around stuff. Yeah. Willpower. Willpower is finite. Yeah? yeah. And people know that. That's why, you know, like you say, planning your meals ahead can help and, and not being so reactive to your phone. Um, what, what you said as well, it was probably worth mentioning, is, is breath work. You see, you mentioned the breath. So a lot of people confuse breath work and meditation. That's yeah. another thing. Concentration-based mindfulness are different. Yeah. Breath work, we can use the breath as a anchor. Yeah. But you can use breath work to actually calm the nervous system. So if someone's had a really stressful day and they try and sit down and meditate, sometimes it's not actually your mind, it's actually your body's full of adrenaline and cortisol. But yeah. anyone knows, if you, if you had a stressful situation, say you had a, a row with someone or you almost got in an accident, you shake afterwards, didn't you? Yeah. Oh my God, you get people say, oh, my adrenaline's going, right? Well, that's literally what's happened. So when your adrenaline's going, your body wants you to move. That's the yeah. whole idea of it. That's why you shake. So for a lot of people, when they sit down and meditate, it's a little tip for people is, you know, sometimes they just sit down. It's not really, my mind can't be clear. My mind's busy. It's like, actually, your physiology is just, so you use things like breath work, which put simply is just that, you know, you can, you can breathe in for three and out for six. Just yeah. a longer exhalation is going to facilitate, uh, it's polyvagal theory, so it's going to stimulate the vagus nerve and make you more, more parasympathetic. Yeah. Some people like to do a little bit of movement. So just some gentle, like nothing too strenuous, because, you know, do some hit training, that'll put you in a sympathetic state. But just some gentle yoga, some plies, some movement type stuff before they sit down and meditate can also help. So breath work is good to start with. Use it to calm. Um, I use counting strategies when I teach courses, I teach people to do that, and then go into, you know, the focus or the anchor. I love that. So me and Matt could talk for hours on end, and I'm conscious that we could continue to talk for hours on end. So what I'm going to, what I just want to ask you now, Matt, is I know mm -hmm. there are going to be loads of my listeners going, he speaks really good. Um, he, he speaks like on a language that I want to hear because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking I'm up for meditation with Matt. Like I can do this. <laughs> so I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking that. So yep. how, how do we do it? How do okay, we do so it? Interestingly enough, I, I run face-to-face -face courses I have done, and I'm in Dubai. And then people, listeners on my podcast have, have, have been running. So I'm going to, I am actually running an online introduction to meditation course in the autumn, and I'm going to tie it in with the UK because I've got so many listeners on my podcast that listen to it. So that is one way of doing it. If people are desperate and they want to find out more, I do Zoom stuff, like I do the personal training stuff on Zoom. Yeah. I can do the meditation stuff on Zoom as well. It does work. But I am running online uh course in the autumn um, i'm not i'm not sure see i'm still contemplating because when you do a four-week course what, what i found is that four weeks is quite a lot of weeks to commit and people often miss a week so yeah. what i might do is i might run it like two 90-minute sessions over two weekends or, or something like that i haven't i haven't finalized it yet but um but that's how i'm going to run it if if people do want to start meditating um and they want advice i would say if they want to start beforehand it's like apps are probably a good place to start. Yeah. Um, What's a good one? But, uh, it's a difficult one to say. I've not been on the apps for a while, but try and find something, some, something that's not too lengthy. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself permission. Start with five minutes. Yeah. Find five, ten minutes. Um, try and pick it's like any new habit. 
yeah. committed action. Try and try and find a, and this is what we talk about in the course, setting up your seat, finding where you're going to sit, same place. Yeah. It's a bit like going, it's a bit like the gym. If you're going to start a like, join the gym, you're going to go, well, which gym are you going to go to? Yeah. What time are you going to train? Because if you haven't got a plan in place, this new habit's not going to happen. Yeah. So for people, um, I would say pick a spot in your house and pick a time of day. For me, it works early in the morning before yeah. the day starts. Um, try not to pick your phone up before you meditate. Yeah. So it's a tip for you said about, we talked about your ladies being less reactive and making better choices around food. Limit the amount of exposure you get to these, these phones. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. Read Stolen Focus. If you've got kids and, and you're interested in this tech stuff, read Stolen Focus or listen to any of Tristan Harris's stuff. Uh, they could listen to one of my podcasts. I did a podcast on this recently, actually. So all about digital addiction, um, just because yeah. I've been obsessing about it for the last week. But, but yeah, so for the listeners, anyone's listening, there will be an autumn course. And I'll, I'll let you, if any of you lot are interested, I'll let you know. Do I'll, let I'll us know, yeah. yeah. We'd love to hear about that. I definitely will. I'm on it. Yeah. I'm on it, it, Yeah. Love nice it. one. Yeah. Um, concentration. Definitely. So thanks, Matt. That's been really helpful. And I've loved our chat as usual. Um, <laughs> so if anybody wants to reach out to Matt, absolutely do so. Go and listen to his podcasts too. And you never know, we're probably going to combine on podcasts in the future for sure, or an Insta Live. I'm up it might have been Insta Live. Actually, podcasts, I should say, Matt Marnie Fitness Show. The Matt Marnie Fitness Show is the podcast. What's um, Instagram, Matt Marnie Fitness. Yeah, Facebook, perfect. Matt Marnie Fitness. And then info, no, Matt Marnie Fitness at Outlook.com. Love it. There you go. And that's Done. how you can contact Matt. And I'm inspired yeah. to meditate now. I'm going to go on my meditation journey now. Yeah, it starts. It starts with that first sip. I love it. Perfect. Nice one. Thanks, Matt, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Do let us know what you've thought of this podcast. I always love to hear from you. Matt loves to hear from people. So let us know. And yeah, until next time, catch you soon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Vicky Marks. <laughs> yes, we're on. So is it saving to your computer and then saving to GarageBand? Um, I actually recorded the whole thing in GarageBand, so I'm going to just see that it worked, but I'm going to... Yeah, I can see.